teachers as well. Uh, hallelujah. Anybody here have something they're thankful for? Anybody want to share? I'll give you, a, I'll give you Pastor Nelson calls it the five-minute mic. I'll give you a two-minute mic. But anybody want to just give a shout-out to God for something they're thankful for? If you do, just come on up. If there's two or three of you, that's fine. It is so good to see you, Gerarda. Now, if you could, you, you'll stay down. Okay, something happens when we come up these stairs. Okay. Okay, I'm very thankful, first of all, that God is in my life. And second, I'm very grateful that I'm, I'm healthy and that I still can think and that I still can drive. Awesome. <laughs> that is what I'm grateful Amen. for. Awesome. Amen. Good to see you today. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Alicia? This would be a challenge. It's a two-minute mic. Um, I'm just thankful uh, that, that God is so good and that we can worship him when he's, um, when times are good and when times are bad. He's just always with us. And I'm just thankful for that, that he's with us in the dark places and with the light places. And, and yeah. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Hallelujah. What, what have we been talking about, the main theme that we've been talking about since September? It's up there, but I'm, I don't look behind me, so it's like, awesome, you got it right. <laughs> this is a house. This is God's house. First and foremost, this is God's house. And as we've talked about, I, 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 I purposefully go over these things because I want them to be so ingrained in us that we just it, just, it just comes out naturally. Because things that are repeated will continue in your life. If you keep on saying something, you will start to believe it, whether it's positive or negative. So if we're going to say something, why don't we say something that's honest and true and godly? This is God's house. Not only is this God's house, but this. Tap yourself and say, this is God's house. Amen? You are God's house. And as we've been preaching, when I've been preaching, some of the things we've been talking about is a house in general, but also they apply to us personally. This is a house of family. That doesn't just mean this, but also you and I are joined together. Whether you like it or not, you got to get used to my sense of humor. Laugh anyways. Even if you don't think it's funny, just laugh because what it does is it will make you feel better. And you might make me feel better, like, you know what, that was a poor joke, but they laughed anyways, okay. You might even buy me a joke book, I don't know. But we are family. We are family. Do you know some of the hardest people to get along with are family? Have you noticed that? Why? Because they're with us through thick or thin. And, and we love them all, yes especially at some times. But yes, I love them dearly, and I'm so thankful for them. But what I have found is the ones that are closest to me are also the ones that I can hurt, that I can uh, take advantage of, that I can just disregard, and not even on purpose. Sometimes it just happens. But I am so thankful that in those moments, 
they do not treat me in kind, but they treat me in grace. And they say, David, I love you anyways. Can you imagine what family is like in a whole big setting when we don't get offended with what happens, but instead we put our arm around them and let them know we love them? And that's what family is. That's what this house is. This is not a house of offense. This is a house of family. And we talked about that. We talked about this is a house of love, and one of the greatest expressions of love was Jesus coming to earth. For God so loved the world that he gave. And a house is known by the person that builds it. There are homes and buildings that have been built by architects and designed by architects. And you can look at the building and you can say, that was designed this way. In today's world, we have the BC box that was built in the 60s and 70s. And they are people drive by and they can look at the house. Why? Because it is distinct and very blah, but it is distinct in its character and its design. That's a BC box. And, they're, and they take on the nature of the person that designed them or built them, but they also take on the nature of the family that lives within it. It's very interesting. So this church, this body, you and I, when people come in, they will take a, and they will get a picture of God based on how you and I talk with them. If the, if, I, I know... I, I would talk with Winona sometimes and we go, man, I don't know if that person, if, if that person was a witness, I don't know if anybody wanted to be a Christian around them. I've been around some Christians that are so grumpy. I've been a Christian that's been so grumpy. Maybe I should just be honest. But when people come in, you and I reflect and display and model God to them. Parents, your child gets the best picture of God they get is from you. How you treat them is literally how they think God is. Time and time again, if you talk with people that are older and moved in life, they will say, well, this is how my dad spoke to me. Therefore, when, God, when they said God was a good father, I had a hard time with it because my dad did this. Parents, raise up your children with the fear and the admonition of God. Understand what you are doing is you are imprinting in them a perspective of God that is beyond what you and I could even imagine. It is lasting. And this is a house. We've talked about that. And now we're talking about this is a house of faith. Pastor Nelson spent a few weeks talked about keys. And the keys and how they're connected with the authority. And one of the greatest aspects of key and understanding of walking in a key is understanding and having a revelation of who Jesus is. When you get a revelation of the power of Jesus, the person of Jesus, it changes the way you live, think, act, behave, speak, walk. Because now you have a picture of the greatest and the most perfect person in the world. 
And sometimes we, we have all these ideas and these steps and these gadgets, but the greatest key that you can understand is getting a revelation of Jesus. Because when you get a revelation of Jesus, it changes the revelation of who you are. I'm a son of God. My brother is Jesus. Everything he did, I can do. I don't do it yet, but I want to see. And, and it's like, it pushes the envelope of your thinking when you realize how close, and we, we sang Christ in me. Do we actually, like, wow. I'm in, I'm in a quest to get to know God better. And I'm so thankful that he has not given up on me. And I'm so thankful you did not say amen. I mean, you might be thinking that, but just thank you that it was not recorded on tape. So last week we talked about this is a house of faith. We went to Hebrews chapter 11. One of the great chapters in the Bible talks about a statement of faith and it gives the hall of faith. It talks about Abraham, Moses, Jonah, or Joseph. It talks about Jacob, children of Israel. And it, and it gives all these amazing pictures of examples of faith. And what was interesting is those are Old Testament descriptions and people, and yet they live by faith in the Old Testament. And what they did, if you read it, and we don't have time this morning to go through it all, but what they did was they were convinced, persuaded, convicted, determined. You could not sway them. They believed there was something greater ahead of them than what they were enduring right now. And Abraham, God spoke to him and said, leave your family. And he believed God and he says, there's something better and I'm going after it. Moses. It says that he chose to live in those conditions with the children of Israel rather than living in the comforts of Pharaoh and all that, that Egypt had to offer. Faith is not ignorant. Faith is a very, it evaluates things and it says, no, because of faith, I will endure some things because I know there's something better. I'm here to tell you that there are some things that we will endure here on earth as soldiers of the king. Why? Because there's a great reward in heaven. And I have found, and it's been made so real to me, this is not my final destination. And yet, everything we seem to do builds around what I can amass here on earth and we don't realize this is temporary, 70, 80, 100 years, whereas eternity is coming. In fact, eternity is right now. You live in eternity right now as a believer. And if I could stir up your faith, what I would... I, 
can you imagine having a hundred sold out people that realize, you know what, this is not my final home. And I love this place. I enjoy this place. I have actually invested in this country. I have built proper, uh, built homes, uh, bought properties. I have s- invested in recreation because well, I have found it's been good and it's been enjoyable. God is not against you enjoying things, but what he wants is he wants you to enjoy him. And he says, when you seek me first, everything else seems to get taken care of. Faith. So last week we, we saw all these great heroes of faith. What's interesting is when you read the chapter, you find out that some of them, many of them, most of them, did not receive the full promise. And yet they were still convinced. And, and, and I think sometimes and we have preached a message of faith that is about you getting everything, whereas we need to preach a faith about who he is. I didn't get everything I wanted. You didn't get everything we wanted. But I'm so glad that you're here and you're saying he's worthy of it all. Because despite what happens here, and we may not get what we want, the material things, the healing, this or that, we, and I can't explain it, but I will tell you this, he still is king, and he's worthy of it all. And I don't live my life for this 24-7 time here. I live my life based on eternity. And I've got an eternity that I'm living for. And my faith is grounded in him, not in what happens here. So we read this chapter, and then I I pose the question, because we read all these amazing things. And it says, so how then should you and I live? So I've spent all this time backing up and rehearsing what we talked about in the last little while. And now I want to pose a question. We read about these heroes of faith. We read about the exploits. We read about the lion's mouths that were shut. We read about people that were sawn in asunder. We read about women that gave their children. We read about all these incredible things, and it gets you. It's like it's motivating, and then it's like, so how does that translate to you and I? How do you and I live a life of faith today. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to read three verses for you out of Hebrews chapter 12 as an aspect of how we live in faith today. So if you've got your Bibles, if you could turn to Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, It's there, and you want to see why it's there for. It's there because of everything that was said in chapter 11. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him 
endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's saying, we've read all this, therefore, let us. He's saying it with perspective and with reference to everything that was just written in chapter 11. He says, because of all that, you and I have a responsibility to God and to those that have gone before us and to those who go behind us of living a life of faith. I'm not interested in creating disciples and teaching people to be followers of a weak God. We serve a strong king. And as disciples, we're also followers and learners of Jesus. And so Paul is writing this, or Paul, actually the writer of Hebrews, not necessarily Paul, that's a whole different, that's, that's, you've got to go to Bible school to figure that out, that you don't know who wrote it. But anyways, the writer of Hebrews. And I'd like to give you about five or six things that I see out of these three verses. First of all, the life of faith is individual and it's corporate. Adrian lives a life of faith as an individual, but he also lives a life of faith that affects me in a good way. It affects you in a good way. And you and I live a life of faith that affects and strengthens and helps Adrian. We are not alone in this faith. And, and I want to see you to see this. One of the, the, when you study a book in the Bible, they often do words that are repeated or what are common words. And actually, it was very interesting. One of the, the, the more common words in the book of Hebrews is let us. And let, and it's like 18 times or something like that in the book of Hebrews. And it's written to us. And the writer here is saying, let us, I, I want you to see this just in the first verse of chapter 12. Therefore, since we live a life of faith, how do you live a life of faith? We have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. We're in this together. Surrounding us. Let us. I want, as a pastor, I am beseeching, begging pleading with you and with me that we together, corporately and individual, let us lay aside everything. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. We're in this together. I'd have, if I, if I knew how to do all the songs, I'd have We Are Family playing right now, but thank God I don't know how to do that. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Faith is not just an individual thing. Faith is a corporate thing. It affects you and it affects me. My faith should affect you. We're in this together. This last year, your faith has strengthened me. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you. 
You have helped me and you have encouraged me. Faith. Let us. In faith, we live in community. We live in community. Please, don't live isolated. If anything this last couple of years has told us, living in isolation is not good. I mean, they've actually proved it scientifically. Whether you believe science or not, it affects us. Live in community. Walk together. Bear one another's burdens. Care for each other. These are actually verses in the Bible. In Ecclesiastes, it says, one, uh, one is one, but two is better than one. And then it says a threefold cord is not easily broken. You know what? Get around people of like-minded faith. And I'll tell you a real simple way of doing it. Go out for coffee. I was talking to somebody this week, and it's like, I'm not interested in trying to organize and program how we can get together. I'm interested in encouraging you to invite somebody else out for coffee. Or if you're comfortable, invite them into your home and share a meal. Share, watch a show, even if it's not a show that I would approve. Watch a show together. We were talking, and it was like they told me which show they watch, and I go, I'm not going to say that from the, from the stage. But you know what? Wa watch something together, because what happens is when you spend time together, you actually rub off on each other. And you will actually start a conversation, and when you leave, you might actually be burdened to pray for that child or for their individual or for their work or for their house or pray for their strength or their healing. And you go, well, what's that? That's biblical. And so much can happen. I want to encourage you. Invite somebody out for coffee. And if you invite me, make it tea. That's only point one. A life of faith is a life evaluated. It's a conscious effort and a conscious decision. Faith does not just go, oh, I'm just going to see what happens tomorrow. No, faith is actually a decision you make. It is the most logical thing you can do, and sometimes it's the most illogical thing you can do. But here he says in Hebrews 12, lay aside. You know that's a decision you make? And when you study this passage, you find out that they actually... The, the writer of Hebrews had painted a picture and was referring to what was happening in the surroundings. And, and in the days there, they actually had Olympic or they had athletic competitions. And the athletes, as they would do their competition, trained hard and they trained so well that they were like, they were specimens. And they would actually, when they got ready to race, they would lay aside everything. Some people even say they laid us, they literally ran naked. And I tell you, that would make you run fast. But they, they, they just, they, they took off everything that got between them and running to the best of their ability, they got rid of so that they could run fast. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, in your life as a believer, let's get rid of those things that tangle us up, trip us up, 
weighed us down, caused us to drag and to slow down. Let's get rid of those things and follow hard after Jesus. What's amazing is when we lay those things aside, he seems to have no problem with letting us enjoy them. But I have found when I've tried to enjoy them without laying them aside, it becomes miserable. God is not against good things, but he wants your heart. He wants my heart. He wants me. And a life of faith is a life that's evaluated. It says lay aside, strip your life of unnecessary things. Things will get in your way if you don't remove them. In the original Greek, the word, the the thought behind um, the sin that so easily entangles us, the original Greek says the sin that so easily stands around us. Do you know what? You don't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble seems to be all around us. All the trappings can become traps. I wrote that. I thought that was pretty, pretty slick. Don't allow anything to get between you and God. Uh, to me, I find the Christian life sometimes we make it so complicated. And I have found I just need God. <laughs> I need him. I am desperate for him. I, I, I said this is a joke, but it's serious. I need help preparing my meals and dinner time because I'm not used to doing that. We need him in every area of our life. Don't allow anything to get between you and God. Train your mind. Train. that this. The picture here is of an athletic competition. They train. Exercise. Here's one. You control you. Not God. Let me say, God, control my mouth. And he goes, I gave you a mouth and a mind. Control it yourself. We blame God for things that we just don't want to take responsibility for. Ooh. Keep going, David. A life of faith is totally dependent on Jesus. In Hebrews 12 there, it says, set your eyes, fix your eyes. It says the athletes, when the competition was on, they had a pillar where they started. They had a pillar in mid-span, and they had a pillar at the end. And at the end of the pillar, there was a judge. And they would fix their eyes on the judge because when they fixed their eyes on the judge, they didn't see anything else except what he, where he was, and they would run as fast as they could to him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. By the way, Jesus is the perfect one to follow. If you're going to follow anyone, follow Jesus. I've been reminding myself of what would Jesus do. And when I read it as a kid, I'm not even sure if I read it or if I was able to somehow not have to read it because I was sneaky. But, you know, WWJD. And we made that, but it is so true. It is so true. What would Jesus do? Not to condemn, but to challenge and to convict me. Not only is he our example, but he's also our helper. And by the way, 
Jesus is our standard. That doesn't mean we beat ourselves up. It doesn't mean I beat myself up. I so thank God that he looks at me and goes, David, I got grace for you and I've forgiven you. And that's a completed work already. It doesn't mean that we beat ourselves up, but I have a standard that I, uh, Paul says, I got a, pr- a race that I'm running and I got a prize ahead of me and I'm running towards that. Faith. A life of faith is not just for the present. Look at the big picture. Gain an internal, eternal perspective. It says, Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured. There are some some things that we will do that we will endure here because I'm looking for the prize and the great calling and what's ahead of me. My daughters have got me to do boot camp. We had two weeks off. I just told one of them this morning, Andy, I got to get up at 6.15 tomorrow. I don't want to. It's not fun anymore. But you know what? I felt better. And I have this perspective that I want to feel better. I've walked. This is, this is a humble brag. Just, just, I'm just letting you know. It's a humble brag. I've walked over 800 miles in the last year. I sat down yesterday and I, just me being me, went through my thing and it says how many things I've done every day. But I would have never done that if you said, David, I want you to walk 800 miles. I would have like, forget it. That's, that's from here to Calgary. I couldn't do that. But you know what you do? Do one day at a time. Do one day at a time. They say, how do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. Not that I'd eat an elephant. Think generationally. Jesus looked beyond just his time, and he saw the joy that was set before him, and he's our model. A life of faith is effort and hard work. It takes hard work. It takes hard work. It takes getting pushed over. It gets takes getting buffeted. It takes getting up early. It takes, I, I got to be honest, I can't paint a picture saying, oh, faith just says you. No, faith, it's hard. But God isn't raising wimps. He's raising champions. And I want to be the best that I can be, the best. I want to bring the best David to the table for you and for me. And that means that I will endure things and I will do things that are hard because the, the payoff is so much greater. So it's not, the payoff is here, but the payoff's in eternity. Lay up treasures in heaven. Takes effort. It says run the race. Run the race. Why do you need to say walk the race? I Run with endurance, patience, perspective. Don't get tired and give up. If I can do anything, can I encourage you today? Keep going. Keep going. You've made it this far. Keep going. You are an amazing example to your neighborhood. Keep going. You are an amazing example to your children. Keep going. You are an amazing strength to those around you. Keep going. You are, you are making progress that you don't see, but other people see. Keep going. 
don't give up. Don't, don't fade. Don't, don't stop. It's don't, don't. Keep going. You might not see it, but other people see it and they go, man, he endured this, she endured that, they endured this. Wow. And I'll be honest with you, I have found that I've endured things not because of what I could do, but because of his strength, because of his grace, because Jesus is the one that paid the price. Because he's the one that says, David, I'll carry your burdens. He's the one that says, cast your cares upon me. Literally, throw them on me because I care for you. He says, I'll do the caring, you do the throwing. Faith, a life of faith is a life of effort and hard work. Keep moving. Don't become slack. Maintain your conviction. Maintain your passion. Maintain. In Ephesians, in, when he talks about the body of the armor of God, he says, having done all to stand, stand. There have been times this year where all I could do was stand. And I am determined that I will stand. I have lived a very... I've tried to be very, I, I shouldn't say I've lived, I've tried to be very proactive in life and tried to be, be active and make, and I have found, you know what, this last year, all I could do, I, you know, they, they say, well, if, if you're not swimming upstream, you're, you're going backstream. Well, you know what, there were times this year where all I could do was keep my head above the water. And that, to me, was winning. Because other people would have dropped their head under the water. Don't beat yourself up. Keep going. Don't, don't say, well, and don't compare yourself with another person. That's not wise. That's, that's not wise. All you can do, stand, then stand. Stay strong. Know why. Know your why. Why is this important to me? Because when you know your why, it helps you when you have all the things that are coming against you. And if I could be honest with you and say something, in the last two years with COVID, what it has revealed in the church is people who did not know their why. And when your why is Jesus Christ, you will endure things and do things because of why, because of what he's done for me. And if your why is because of what the church can do for you, we will fail you, and we actually had our doors closed for a while. But if your why is what Jesus has done for me, you will persevere and you will go on because your why is greater than what you're doing. If I, I want to close this time with encouraging you, and I want to thank you because you are strong. You, you are strong. You are strong. Look at somebody and just smile at them because we don't want to spread stuff. So just look at them and, and, and they're like, you know, I'm strong. You are strong. And I want to encourage you, stay strong. I want to encourage you, keep going. I want to tell you, you can do it and you are doing it. And that's what Paul, uh, the writer here says. He says, consider him 
for who, who endured such humility against uh, hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When you get tired, when you get weary, think of what Jesus did. And I am so thankful for what he did. And because he endured that, he gives me the strength that I can keep going myself. And if I can say something, that to me is living a life of faith. And if you say, well, what was that? Rewatch the sermon. But I want to encourage you live strong, keep going. I'm so proud of you, I'm so thankful for you. Don't give up. Come up onto the stage instead of standing on the side. And just come on up because I do see you. I'm, I'm not blind. Come on up. You are, you are awesome. Come. You wanted to say something? Come up. If, Me too. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've been going through some things in our household. And uh, last night, the Lord gave me a word to write to someone that this is happening with. And this is what he had me write. Hope you had a good day. I just, I just want to let you know I am definitely standing with you. There was never a doubt in my mind that I was. Today was kind of a difficult day. I knew I would have them, but I had to resolve in my heart that you are a man who knows what you need and when you need it. God brought me through this day, as I know he is bringing you through. Stand on the promises of God, people. Stand on the promises of God. That's where your strength will come from. They are yes and amen. They are yes. You know, I used to say, well, that's, that's pretty simplistic. They are yes and amen, but oh boy, it's becoming more real in my life every day. God's promises are yes and amen, and we need them. Amen? amen. Please remember, if, you, if we can do anything to help, we are there for you. Love you lots. Stay strong. You will come through this victorious. Anything that you are going through right now that the enemy has brought on you, and this is totally from the enemy, and he's an idiot. You will come through victorious because of who Jesus is in your life and what he has done for you. So praise God, you will become victorious. Amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. I love you. God bless you. Have an amazing week.